The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Living authentically is the bravest thing that we can do. It's the bravest thing that we can do. And we have an obligation to do it. Not just for ourselves, but to show that to others. So that way maybe they feel inspired to live authentically too. Hi family. (laughs) It's been a minute. And I have literally put this podcast episode on hold until the last second possible. It's due in two hours and I'm recording it right now because I still don't necessarily feel ready. But seven months is long enough and it's time for me to be back here with you all. What led to that long pause that seven-month-long hiatus was me quite literally having a mental breakdown. I got to the point where I just felt like I wasn't putting out good content anymore. My life was so stressful. Things were happening at the treatment center that were really challenging, within my own family that were really challenging, and within myself that were really challenging. What's so nice about the gift of recovery is that with it comes humility. The idea that we have to be perfect all the time must be shattered. And that's why I always tell you guys, don't put me on a pedestal. Don't use me as some idyllic expression of hope or whatever it might be. Um, Well, yes, it's true that I have recovered and am continuously recovering from reality. I'm still a work in progress. And there will be moments where I have to have breakdowns to have breakthroughs. What's so interesting about every time that I've expanded in my consciousness is that there always comes this really big contraction beforehand. And I was thinking about this as I was at a birth recently, that the contractions are the important part. The contractions are the gift that brings you that much closer to freedom, to birth, to expansion. And... As many of you know, who have been longtime listeners of this podcast, who have been following me on social media, I have expanded a lot, especially in the last four months. It was through the pressure of those experiences that led me to that moment where it's like, okay, it's time to grow or it's time to go, you know? (laughs) 
And I actually wrote about that in depth in my book, this pivotal moment that we all have. We all have this opportunity where we're like, am I going to grow or am I going to go? Am I going to stay in this pattern or am I going to break free of it? I'm no longer willing to be depressed, to be anxious, to allow my nervous system to be an override. I'm no longer willing to live a lie, right? That was such a huge piece here with my sexuality is that I was still living with so much conditioning that I was afraid to step into the wholeness of who I am because it's scary to do that. Living authentically is the bravest thing that we can do. It's the bravest thing that we can do. And we have an obligation to do it, not just for ourselves, but to show that to others. So that way, maybe they feel inspired to live authentically too. I think that that was the the biggest thing for me is is thinking to myself, Alexis, what are you modeling for your children right now? You're burnt out. You're overworked. You don't have enough support. Your world is crashing around you. And instead of taking a step back and recharging, you're trying to power through it. And I know from experience that trying to push my will, right, when the universe is clearly saying, slow down, pause, reevaluate, and then I'll carry you forward, we tend to want to control it and step into our, you know, this power struggle between us and the universe. And we want to control it and push our way into the outcome that we desire, which oftentimes robs us of peace, right? And robs us of incredible experiences that we wouldn't otherwise have. You know, I really believe that the universe has always got my back. I know this to be true. When I look at the history of my life from you know, early childhood up until now at 30 years old. When I look at that, I can clearly see the way that even when challenges have come and presented themselves, I have always been carried through. It's when I start to get in the way with my big ego, thinking that things need to be different, that I rob myself of the peace that comes with letting go, getting grounded, staying present, and just allowing whatever is meant to be to be. So I knew that I needed to take a step back from the podcast, not just from the podcast, but from all work, and that I needed to dedicate the next six months to figuring out my marriage and how we, Evan and I, were going to move forward to figure out what I wanted to do with my career and to figure out how I could be a better, more present mother. And what happened 
was everything fell into place exactly the way that it needed to. Next week's episode is going to be an episode with Evan where we discuss our marriage and how we came to this place of wanting to be in an open marriage and the details of that and what that looks like. So I guess maybe I should take a moment to talk to you guys about how I came to terms with the fact that I was gay, why it took me so long to come out and, you know, this stripping down that had to occur for me to accept this part of myself. I always knew that I was gay. From the earliest memories that I could have, I had crushes on girls and had interest in being with girls. And as you guys know, if you're seasoned listeners on this podcast, I experienced a lot of sexual abuse, a lot of sexual abuse growing up. And so I think that when we experience that at such a young age, when we don't really understand what sexuality or sex is, those experiences shape our worldview around sex and around desire and around our sexuality. So for me, my first sexual experiences were with men, but they weren't consensual. And my first consensual sexual experiences were with girls. And I want to add this in because it's really important. Being with other girls when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, being with other girls felt right. But I think that I didn't really fully understand that what we were doing was having sex because we are so conditioned to believe that sex is this heterosexual experience. When we go through fifth grade sex education, we only learn about penetrative heterosexual sex. When we see most relationships out in the world, they're heterosexual relationships. So I didn't know that what I was doing with my friends was having sex. I didn't know that. I just knew that it felt good, that I wanted it, that I desired it, that I felt more free than I ever had. And while yes, I had boyfriends, I had boyfriends and, you know, everyone goes, well, why would you have boyfriends? Well, I think what's so interesting is that a lot of gay girls, especially when they're young, feel like they have to have an experience with a boy to just see if you're gay or not. (laughs) And what's so interesting is that for me, That was the case, but also I think that in this very toxic kind of warped way, I, I thought that passing as straight would keep me safe. 
if that makes sense. Even though I guess I would consider myself at that time very much so bisexual, right? Because I was having sex with both men and women. And then when I was using, I wasn't in a relationship at all, really. Um, I didn't have a boyfriend from the time that I was 16, almost 17, to the time that I got sober. I did not have a boyfriend. So I had had these experiences and they weren't necessarily bad experiences. I just think that I had so much unpacking to do around sex in general and around my trauma. I will also say that I was sexually abused by women too. So it was kind of like nobody was safe for me, but I had this desire to explore. I did have a girlfriend when I was trying to get sober around 18 years old. And it was like a pretty short relationship. And then, you know, I got sober and I met Evan. And for me, Evan, again, and he's so much more than that now. He is absolutely my sole partner. Like we are meant to do life together. But for me with with Evan, he he felt safe. He felt really safe. And he knew from the beginning of our relationship that I identified as bi. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I wasn't in the place that I am now. The final piece of me healing from my sexual abuse was me reclaiming my sexuality. And so Evan and I started discussing opening up our marriage and what that would look like. And that was happening a couple of years ago. And eventually I took the plunge and decided to do it. And the first experience that I had was pretty toxic. It wasn't, I think that I just... I felt like, yes, you know, but then yes, to the point where I was allowing things to occur that I would never allow in a relationship. And it was so toxic and so chaotic and really just like zero to 60. Like it was just, it was kind of like that quintessential lesbian stereotype where it's like, you know, I want to be with you, be my girlfriend, like right off the bat, you know, and then that didn't work out. (laughs) And I started dating someone else and I was like, okay, this is great. And then unfortunately that didn't work out. And now I'm in the relationship that I'm in now. And it is very different from the other two. And it feels really good to be here. And there'll be more on that in the future, Chris is going to come join us on the podcast. And I'm so excited for that to happen. And for you guys to hear from her, you had some really interesting Q&A questions on Instagram. And so this has been an adjustment. I'll cover what happened within our family unit and what's going on with the kids with Evan um, in next week's episode. But I will just say that I went into this 
in a really neutral place where I was like, okay, universe, I'm going to have this tough conversation with Evan and I'm going to be calm and centered and grounded. And if it's meant to be, it'll be. And it worked out. I love how Glennon Doyle says we can do hard things. I love that. I have walked through so many challenges in the last decade of my healing journey. And I know now that I can do hard things. Each time that I do it, I get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I get more comfortable with being vulnerable. Let's talk about the importance of setting boundaries when you're living in your authentic truth. So I love how Brene Brown says that when we're living vulnerably and authentically, we should never get in the ring with other people who aren't. I love that quote. And I love when Glennon Doyle says that when she stepped into her authentic self, she created an island around herself. And it was an island where she had firm boundaries about what she would and would not let into her life. One of the biggest ones was fear. So much fear comes up when we start talking about relationship. So much fear comes up when we start talking about sexuality. So much fear comes up when we start thinking about living vulnerably. And when we start living in our authentic spaces, So often people want to dump their own personal shame and fear onto us. My DMs are a perfect example of this, my comment section as well. But I think the hardest part for me has really been my family and my friends. Even my most progressive liberal family members who... I know our supporters of the LGBTQ community had major fears and concerns come up for them. This is not to say anything bad about these family members. Obviously, I just think that it's really interesting how fear can really get a grip on us and then you know, we project out that fear onto other people. So I think the biggest thing for my parents who have both been married and divorced multiple times, (laughs) and it's so funny because I'm like, monogamy clearly doesn't work for you guys. Um, (laughs) No shade at all. I just think it's really interesting the amount of fear that came up for them. And I had to give gentle and sometimes firm reminders that their lived experience isn't mine. And that even though this doesn't necessarily seem normal (laughs) 
But what even is normal? I mean, we've gotten so used to divorce now that divorce is normal. But even though this doesn't necessarily seem typical or normal, that it is our normal. And so the options are this. You can either get on our boat, right? And be on our team or you don't. And that's kind of where I was at. And I'm so grateful for Evan who, you know, has really championed alongside me for me owning my sexuality and and living out my truth. It is just an amazing thing to feel so supported. And I don't want to say that this has been all just like cushy, perfect, easy experience because it certainly hasn't been. There's been fights. (laughs) There have been fights. um, There have been arguments. And I think that at the end of the day, as my friend Angel says, as long as we're fighting, but on the same team, it's okay to fight. There have been moments where, you know, I've felt like this just isn't going to work. This isn't going to work and I'm going to have to go back in the closet and I'm going to have to close our marriage because my marriage to Evan is my top priority. And I know a lot of people are not going to understand that and that's okay. That's okay. But there were moments where I was like, oh my God, this isn't going to be working out. (laughs) But there have been far more moments where I'm like, oh, this is going to work out. And this is so beautiful. I had one of those moments last night when we had all finished dinner as a family, including Chris and Evan was upstairs putting Dakota to bed and I was doing homework with Harper and Chris was doing the dishes. And I was like, Oh my God, we're like a modern family. This is so cool to experience right now. And I just, took that moment in for a second and was like, this is so good. This is so good. This feels complete. This feels aligned. This feels right. And not only does it feel right for me, but it feels right for Evan. It feels right for Chris and it feels right for the kids, which is such a gift. But yeah, it hasn't been easy. I've lost friends over this and I have had to say goodbye to people that I love who just don't understand our dynamic. And I think that part of it too, is that when you start living authentically, people can get scared, right? They can have thoughts of like, oh, well, maybe my marriage isn't that great. And maybe I'm gay or maybe, you know, it, it like when people show up and are living vulnerably, it is illuminating all of the dark spots in the people closest to them. And that's scary. And I totally get it. And I'm absolutely willing to hold space for people and their concerns, but I'm unwilling to hold space for people's fear and their toxic programming and shaming. I'm not willing to do it. I can't do it. I can't afford to do it anymore. And not only that, but I don't want my kids to see me allowing that. I just don't. I don't want my kids to see me 
allowing other people's fear and shame control the way that I present myself and show up in the world. So I guess what I want to leave you guys with for this episode and to encourage you guys to do is to be willing to take up more space. I still had so much subconscious programming around being able to take up space and getting my needs met. I did. I felt so much pressure to just fall in line and do the next indicated thing rather than explore my deepest desires and get my needs met. I didn't know how to do that still. I wasn't willing to be fearlessly me, right? I was still living in fear. What would happen if I came out? How would my family react? Would my kids be okay? Would my marriage survive this? There was so much unknown. But when I started to unpack my programming around this, I realized that even if I stayed in the closet and decided not to come out and not to explore this part of myself, it would still be there, right? It would still be there. The difference is it's either going to eat you alive or it's going to create space for healing. The pain eventually leads to purpose. The pain leads to healing. It's our willingness to sit in the discomfort of life that molds and changes us into who we need to be. And so as we move forward on this wonderful podcast, in this wonderful community, on this wonderful platform, what can you guys expect? Well, the next several episodes are going to be about my relationship and unpacking sexuality and healing. And then we're going to go back to our original format, which was a monthly Q&A, a couple of experts and someone to come on and share about their recovery journey. I am so grateful for all of the patience that you guys have had for me. It's truly such an honor to host this podcast and to have this community. Jump into the Facebook group. Join us as we show up and live our authentic lives. Post in there. Enjoy the community. Build up the community. Be an active participant. I am so excited for what the future holds. These next few episodes are epic. And thank you again for your patience. So with that, until next time. This week's affirmation is, I choose me. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 